0: This is H.P.R. episode 2574 entitled Personal Cash Only Finance. It is hosted by Klar2 and is about 30 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, 2 discusses the advantages and disadvantages of going mostly cash only. This episode of H.P.R. is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. We'll <laughs>
1: Hey everyone, this is 2 and you're listening to Hacker Public Radio. This is an episode about personal finances. I talked about personal finances in a previous episode, speaking very specifically toward the, the big mystery of saving for your future, and investments, and things like that that no one ever explains to you. So in this episode, I want to do a complete 180, and talk about what if you don't do any of those things, the conventional wisdom, what if you reject that, and decide... To take part in none of it. Now, part of this episode is, is really just a thought exercise. Something to ponder. Th- sort of to imagine. What would happen if I, I went cash only entirely? No bank accounts, nothing like that. But part of it is, is experiential. Um, I've, I've flirted with this a little bit, and so I'd like to share at least some of my experiences, and, and also some of the things that has kept me from, from actually implementing it. A- at least completely. Whether or not that's a good idea is up to you, and I think largely whether it's a good idea or not really depends on what kind of future you are intending to build for yourself, because certainly there is no denying that if you do not invest your money in something, your money will then not increase, it will not grow. That's, that's what investment is, it's, it's taking, in this context, your money and purchasing something that will, in the future, be more valuable than it was when you first obtained it. That's all investment really means. So to turn your back on on the idea of conventional job, paycheck, banking, and so on, and attempting to um, to, to to live your life without those 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 features slash limitations, it's kind of an interesting an interesting idea to explore. And I'd like to explore it here because it's something that that I've had a little bit of, of experience with, although not to any to real to any real extreme. Which which at least as a thought exercise, I think might be kind of interesting to to consider. So here we go. Let's consider it. So first of all, uh, not having a bank account has a couple of different benefits, I guess, and and that would be that that there's really no way for any any or anything to 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 leverage a judgment against you. It, it, it's, it's citing that you you owe them money. So, I mean they can they can make that judgment, but there's no way for them to then get to the money that you supposedly owe owe them. So, that's kind of cool because a lot of times in adult life you you end up owing something to someone whether or not you agree with that or not. Not all the time. I'm just saying it ha- it can happen. There are little weird disputes that happen here and there. You know, maybe a landlord claims that you didn't pay the security deposit and you claim that you did. Or maybe maybe someone, uh, there's a car accident and, and someone says that you owe them some amount of money for a repair and you claim that they owe you for a repair because of circumstances. So there's lots of little things like that that happen in the real world. and And in theory, those things can culminate in one power saying, okay, well, you owe this person money. Now, they can say that and they can declare that all they want, but if there's no... if there is no bank holding your assets, then the buck kind of stops with you. And if you say truthfully or not, that you have no money to give, then there's not really a way to verify or not verify that. So, that's kind of an interesting angle on why one might not want to use a bank. Now, in my experience, uh not having, and of course there's the obvious just kind of like, well, maybe you want to have the physical asset, you know, you, rather than abstracting money away from yourself and and into a bank, which is pretty much, the I think, a modern de facto, maybe you prefer to hold on to the money and say that if you have $1,000, then you want to see 1,000 dollars in your pocket. You want to have that somewhere that you can, you can point to it and say, yep, there it is. So in, in my, my experience, not having a bank account is, is quite difficult. And I, I've never been without a bank account entirely because anytime that I've worked for practically any one, with a couple of exceptions, but most jobs that I've had, and, and certainly all, all like, you know, real jobs that I've had, they, they simply pay you with, with a, either a direct deposit or a paycheck. And the direct deposit requires a bank for it to get deposited into and a paycheck requires that you cash that check. Now you can check a you can cash a check without having a bank of your own. You can go to the bank that issued that check and, and redeem that check for cash, or you could go to a cash checking service which is less optimal because they'll take a cut. So they'll they'll give you the cash in exchange for the check, but then they'll take some of that cash for themselves because now they have to deal with this check. They have to they they have to go to the trouble of getting it cashed and they have to take any supposed risk of maybe that check not being any any good so either of those two Two options are available is just the, the trouble of going to my employer's bank every time I get paid to go get the cash has been something that I've, I've never really relished. So I've just had a a bank and then I get the money from the bank whenever I need it. So that's, but, but you can do that. You could, you could, you can work and not have a bank account. It is possible. Now the next thing that you might worry about are, are things like rent and food. So, I mean, food's fine. You can get that with cash so far. Um, but the, the rent thing is, is a little bit trickier depending on what your living arrangement is. If if you are very low, let's say, maintenance, and you're just living however you might live maybe you've got a, a roommate that you can give cash to maybe you don't have a home at all uh, maybe you have an arrangement where where the landlord is nearby and you can bring them cash now i've done that several times i've 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 had several in fact i don't think i've ever no that's not true i did have one apartment for like a summer that was like one of those big kind of um big corporate sort of controlled apartments you know where where you don't know who the landlord is because the landlord is like this company that owns the building, a you know, management, you know, property management company, and they own the building, and and you, you have no, there's there's not really a person behind the, behind the the living arrangement. It's just it's the apartment building, and you send in your rent by a certain time, or they threaten to kick you out within a day. You know, it's 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 very draconian and faceless and really kind of a disgusting way to live. But I mean, if you need a place, that's what what you have... But a lot of times those places don't don't make it easy for you to pay in cash. Sometimes you you can you can go to their their office and and deliver cash to them for your your rent. But uh, th- they tend to expect you to either do a direct deposit or send in a check. So those are options. You can you can you can make arrangements to pay in cash in your for for your living space. But I feel like the the bigger and more official your living space, the less convenient it is for you to to pay in cash which is weird but this that's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout because it, it it seems like the the more convenient you the more convenience you want the, the less cash can actually purchase for you which I think traditionally like at one point the the exact opposite was true cash was a lot more convenient and could get you could get you certain certain deals that that you know were a little bit above and beyond the the check or credit card method of payment. Okay, so there's rent, there's food, there's pay, paydays, sorted. Uh, What else do you need money for? Well, money does things like get you um, internet service and utility bills and things like that. Now, once again, most of these places have options for you to pay in cash. Not all of them, to be honest, but most of them do. Uh, but you you would have to make the physical journey to their office with cash because it's not something that you could really do safely through mail or anything like that. So you'd have to go to their, their location and, and pay your bill in cash, which it is possible. It just takes a lot. It, it takes a chunk out of your day, and it's something that's reoccurring. It would be kind of cool if they would take really large prepayments. I think that would be super convenient, you know, where you could just say, look, Let's just figure, I'm going to have your service for a year, and let me come in and just put a bunch of cash down, and then you can take that cash, and you can divide it yourself each month. You just take whatever you need off that stack every month, and and we'll just call it we'll call it even. Uh, but it just doesn't, in my experience, anyway. That's not usually how businesses want to work. They they if they are billing you monthly for a service, then that's what they expect. And some some services are, are variable in amounts anyway. So your utility bill, whether it's electricity or water or or, or uh, what's the other one? Oh, gas. All those things they they tend to be a little bit variable, so it would be difficult to prepay uh, unless you overpay intentionally, and I, I guess that would work out. But yeah, it, 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 it gets a little bit more complex. Other stuff that you might need in real life are, you know, the things that you get in general. So, I mean, for me, it would, things like Coffee and and food at a at a cafe where where I tended to do my work. Well, I'm i saying where I tended to do my work. A lot of a lot of all of this is is a theory for me now because I'm undergoing a bunch of immigration things that require me to do um, a lot of stuff, sort of very visibly for the for the local government to to observe that yes, I am making money. I am not relying on social services to survive and we things like that so a lot of this is right now on hold for me because i it's in my vested interest to to maintain a healthy bank account to uh to, to demonstrate that i that I can manage a credit card responsibly S- stupid things like that which in real life I couldn't care less about but for immigration purposes I'm trying to put on a good a good demonstration of my responsibilities so that's that's in real life right now previously however other things that you might want in real life Life would have been for me coffee and food at a cafe where I tended to do a lot of work. Of course, now I work at home. That's a lot less important for me. But anyway, I'm trying to get to the point that there are things in real life that you need. You just you end up needing. And and this is an interesting one for me because this just really demonstrates the power of of free culture. So in a lot of different realms of of interest that I have, there there's there's an alternative to whatever the big obvious target is. So for instance, with computers, for a lot of us, you you yourself probably include Included, dear listener, there are alternatives to getting a computer. If you need a computer and you are a hacker, then chances are you know how to find a computer for very, very, very cheap. Maybe even free if you know where to look. And it, it might not be something like if you go to a store. Like if if you wake up one day and say, "Oh my gosh, I forgot all this time. I needed it. I need a computer by noon today." Okay, that might not happen for you for free. But if if you're thinking about it in advance then then very frequently at least in my experience you can find a computer whether it's just posting a, an ad on a bulletin board somewhere advertising your services as a data transfer specialist. I can I can transfer your data from your old computer to your new computer and then you take a couple of those jobs maybe three at the most, one out of three of those jobs, you might just say, you know, instead of paying me today, you could ju- I'll just take your old computer if, if you don't want it anymore. Done. You just got yourself a computer, and it's it's quite possibly a perfectly fine computer. So, or, or or maybe you just know where to look. Like, you know the businesses that throw computers out, you know the loading dock where they stash them before the, the recycler comes by, or, or you know the dumpster that they throw them into, or whatever. You know where to look, and you get a new computer. Again, easy and free. Now there might be parts associated with that that you have to go purchase, like oh this one's going to need a replacement keyboard, this one's going to need a hard drive because they took the drive out and and smashed it, uh, something like that. And and for that the cash actually becomes a little bit more difficult because you're you're looking at specialized parts for 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 an industry that makes different versions of 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 every single part every every month it seems it's it's insane. I don't know why there have to be so many different, you know, laptop keyboards out there. Surely, surely five different designs would do per per, per language would, would be fine. But no, it, it seems like everything has to be redesigned every single iteration. So that becomes very difficult. Drives, hard drives are obviously a little bit, you know, better. Those are a little bit more standard. Uh, RAM, not necessarily. AC adapters, just as bad as keyboards. So there are there are weird things that you might find that you have to get, and a lot of times it's very convenient to get that online. You just go onto whatever site you typically go to for your spare parts, and you order what you need, and then they send that to you. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen with cash, probably. So, I mean, unless it's a local place where you can where you can go and pick up the item and pay for it. But that, that, that'll get a little bit trickier with just cash. And I think, again, that's kind of a theme of this, is that the convenience factor goes way up if you have at least a bank account, and, and you'll find that the cash insisting upon cash all the time I have found, in my experience at least, limits the the, the options, the maneuverability you have w- when you're looking at an expense. You know, and you're saying to yourself, okay, I can get this $300 cheap computer. I'll, I'll I know in getting that that I'm now supporting an industry that's producing that's overproducing stuff, and I'm buying something new, and it's going to come with Windows, which I'm not even going to boot into anyway. I'm just going to put Linux on there, and all these other drawbacks of, of of going to really the trouble of going to get some new computer off the Shelf. I mean, there are benefits as well because you know it's a, or you can expect that it's going to be a reliable computer. That it's going ever everything that you expect to work will probably be in working order. That sort of thing. So there are advantages. Don't don't get me wrong. But but a lot of times for for us, for you and me, that's just not. Th- those are features that are kind of like nice to haves, not necessarily need to haves. So the the free stuff is is quite good, and so you can look at that free thing and say, okay, so this is going to cost me zero dollars, or maybe it'll cost me an afternoon of work if I have to I have to help someone transfer their data off of it first before I can take it, or whatever. But it's gonna it's it's gonna be cash light, um, and then I'll have to get some replacement part for this or that, or you know I'll need to I'll need to get a new battery because the battery's completely shot. So that's maybe a hundred bucks right there. But then how do you get that that part? Like how do you actually get it? And so if 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 insisting on paying cash is limiting your ability to just say, Cool, I can pay a hundred for a used repurposed thing or three hundred for a new thing that supports an industry that I don't I'm not really super fond of, then I think I'd rather just have the bank account so that I can get that hundred dollar part so that so that enables me to to get this used thing rather than saying oh I gotta I, I have to pay cash so I have to go to the store and get this thing because that's the only thing in town that I can pay cash for so that's kind of the way that I see it and 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 I guess it's m- mainly the reason that I've I've maintained a bank account um uh, com- for for all for, you know for my adult life I, I've never been without a bank account it just hasn't really paid as it were to not have a bank account so anyway you have this cheap thing you need this part or maybe it's something else maybe it's something else entirely maybe it's a uh, a a video game that you want to purchase which that's a whole other category actually but let's just let's call it a video game or a book even a book a a, a really good book that you want to purchase and we all know that bookstores are basically non-existent now so you know there, there's an expectation in other words is what I'm trying to say that that certain items are just that you just go to the internet for them. That's what you do, and and of course that means that you need to have a, a bank account, credit card, whatever. So there's there's that there's that limitation sort of. Now there are two answers to this this limitation, this perceived limitation, and one of them is to go to a store. This doesn't work for everything, uh, and I find it works less and less as the years get on. I haven't tried it lately at all um, because I haven't needed to. But even at, in in the U.S towards the towards the end of my stay in the U.S., uh, it, it was starting to work less. But in the past, what I could do, I've, I found, was go to a store, talk to someone. Usually it had to be, like, a, the manager. Uh, and, and for this reason, smaller stores were usually the better bet. Now, that's a whole other problem because smaller stores are increasingly more difficult to find, like actually independent stores. But back when that was a thing and you could find them in certain towns, you could go to a store and talk to the, the manager slash owner's Whatever, and just ask them to order a part for you. So it's, it's, it's much like you would like at an auto sh- shop now. Like if you need if you need some weird part for your weird car, you just go to an auto store and say, hey, you know, this is my car and this is the part that I need. Can you find that for me? And they they can do that. They have all the resources that that they have that I don't certainly understand. But you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, yes, we can do that. We can order that part. We'll call you in a week whatever, and it's it's really convenient, and you used to be able to do that in stores. You could just go to the manager and say, hey, look, I'm looking for this book, or this this computer, you know, this exact model of this computer part, or whatever, and people would just order it for you, and then they'd, I, I would imagine, I never really asked, but I have always assumed that they tack their their markup on top of what the, whatever they've special ordered for you, uh, and then they sell it to you from there. So you're probably, you know, you're not getting those magical like amazon.com or what is it, aliexpress.com or whatever. You're not getting those magical prices of of dirt cheap straight from the factory to your door type type deals, but you are doing it compl- not completely, but you're doing it fairly well under any kind of radar, really. You're you're going to a third party, a middleman, to say, hey, get an item for me, and I will come back to you, and I will pay you cash, and then I will have that item. So it's a pretty a pretty slick way to go about doing business, if you can manage it. Like I say, these days, it seems to be a lot more difficult, because you can't first of all find an independent store anyway, uh, and then even if you do, a lot of times they're just not, I don't, I don't get the sense that, that, that's, that that's something that really makes sense anymore maybe. I don't know. I don't own a store. I've never owned a store, so I don't really know the, the, not the politics, but the—I don't know what that what it demands of of someone to just go randomly special ordering parts from stuff that that's not on their usual kind of like delivery list or whatever. So I don't know if that's just not done anymore, or or if I just haven't tried lately. But other people are perfectly happy to do it. I don't know, but that's that's one way to do it. Now the other way to do it possibly is to get a prepaid, uh, like a gift card. And the gift cards you can purchase at, at least in the States, uh, you can get them at, at any pharmacy, at, at a drugstore. You know, like uh, CVS, Rite Aid, Duane Reed, whatever. You go there, you get the gift card, you put money onto the gift card, and then you use the gift card. And I used to do this quite quite often. It was pretty darn convenient. There's, there's a weird sort of caveat there, and that is that some sites don't know how to take a gift card for some stupid reason, and it, I haven't run into this a lot, but I have run into it before, where you'll be purchasing, or you'll try to purchase something, and for whatever reason, the site just will not understand I guess that that, it, that the card you know it doesn't actually have your name on it or or isn't actually married to your, your billing address or, or whatever so it there are there are times where it will not work but generally speaking it works out okay and that way you can get the things that you want to get without having a, an official bank account tied to your name you can just have it with this floating bank account that is disposable after a while or that will you know that will get finished up' will get used up after a while. There are disadvantages to this as well, in addition to the fact that some sites just can't handle the fact that there are gift cards in existence. But they, um, and by gift card, in in case you don't know what I'm talking about, they're credit cards. They look exactly like a credit card. They they the ones that I've ever seen and had are Visa uh, branded, and so you can I think Mastercard probably has them too, but they've got they've got that little logo on them, and you you just purchase them and you put some amount of money onto them, you know, or or you buy them in pre pre declared values like a hundred dollar card you pay like. 110 bucks. And there's another disadvantage is that you're paying to buy the gift card. So th- there's a little bit of a service fee on top of that. And I think all the gift cards that I've ever seen, usually in really, really small print, have an expiry date. So you can get one this year. And if you, if you, you know, get a hundred dollars and you only use up 50 bucks because you're just super free and low maintenance and you just don't spend that much money then especially online um then you know in by, by this time next year or might be longer than that but it, it, there's there's a time time frame where that gift card eventually just evaporates just the money that you had for no good reason it just goes away so i I've always thought that was quite strange, and and I never really much cared for that sort of that blatant (laughs) money grab. But it's a thing. But by the same token, they're they're a thing that you can get them, and and then you have that flexibility of yeah, I've I've got a bank account. Look, here's my fancy Visa card that doesn't have my name on it and is a gift card, and it's got digits associated with it. So I'll give you those digits, and magically money happens. And that's basically that's that's all it is. So those are those are an option in in addition to. Special ordering things from from people with who are connected. Now, in theory, if we're if we're th- and th- now I'm getting way out of my way out of my realm of. of Experience, but in theory, if we're talking about okay, so we're going cash only, and we're gonna live in this super inconvenient, non-connected way, uh, wh- how would we then even potentially begin to invest in things? And and the important thing about investment and that concept to to understand is, well, a lot of people say that you should invest or you should you should save for the future, you should save for retirement, whatever. And and we tend to, I think, get this idea of what investment is, and that generally is what I spoke of in my previous episode on personal finances, which is either a mutual fund or a certificate of deposit or or stocks or a 401k if you're into the whole let the company and government manage your money and social security, stuff like that. But investment, like I've said earlier in this episode, investment is just, it's, it's simply purchasing a, a good that is... Cheap today and more valuable at some point in the future, and the there, there's a guarantee or a perceived guarantee, and and I guess historically it's been pretty reliable and for some definition of historical, and, and that is the guarantee with a with a big official sort of bank-sponsored investment or or company-sponsored investment. There's kind of this guarantee that you're that, that when you arbitrarily decide oh, it's time to sell, time to cash in on my investment, then there's going to be a buyer. So in other words, it is. Completely completely expected that if you buy your $20 sh- or let's say $1,000 shares of GWO, the New World Order, the, the big company that has just gone public recently and their their stocks are super hot, so you buy $1,000 worth of stocks and then you wait 40 years and you decide, okay, GWO has grown exponentially, it's gained a lot of money, thereby my I have gained a lot of money, my investments are now worth, a lot of money. So now I'm going to sell that. And so when you click sell in your uh, Fidelity or your ETrade.com account or whatever it is that you signed up with, uh, someone will just magically buy all all of your stocks. It'll they'll just fly out the door. There's there's a market there. There's a demand for it. You're going to get the money. You, you spent a thousand forty years ago. You have a million now. You hit sell and now you have a, a million dollars. Don't expect that kind of return on investment um, on anything. But I'm just I'm just using lots of numbers so there's that expectation now if if you're investing in other things so whatever those might be you know you you hear people saying oh i'm going to invest in gold i'm going to buy actual gold and i'm going to squirrel it away in some safe location and then in 40 years presumably gold will be more valuable uh, or at least no less valuable and then i'm going to uh, i'm going to sell now that that uh, it kind of means that now you've you're able to find a market for that hopefully in the 40 years that pass, you'll have you'll have discovered where all the the rich people who just want gold hang out, and so that you can bring your bags of gold to them in 40 years, and you'll plop them down on the table, and they will give you a thousand dollars, or a million dollars, or whatever it is. So, there is, there's there's less of an expectation, I would say, that there's going to be a market, necessarily, for whatever it is you chose to invest in. And an investment, like I say, it can be something sort of classic, like gold, uh, but it can also be in uh, certainly, among the geek community, a lot of people rather famously invest in in, in memorabilia. You know, so you, you you buy the the comic book, the the New Fifty Two, uh, the first. First volume of the New 52 from DC uh, of of all your favorite superheroes uh, of their of their new origin store. You buy an issue of all those those when they hit the shelf and maybe you get the variant covers and you you know you've got everything that you could possibly get for that for that set and and then you put it in the comic book sleeve and you put it in a safe temperature controlled non damp environment and then in forty years you're hoping that those comic issues will be worth substantially more than you. Spent on them. So if you paid 15 bucks for, for a comic, then in four years you're hoping that they're, you know, 300 or 600 thousand, three thousand, who knows? And, and obviously you don't really know what's going to, what's going to hit. Uh, possibly an artist who contributed to that issue will become very famous and anything that he or she has ever touched will jump up in price. And, and, and then it's up to you to find that market again. It's, it's, it isn't like the stock market where it's super obvious where everyone's hanging out. They're at the stock market. It's, it's a bigger, fuzzier market that, that you kind of have to just kind of hope that there's longevity in what you invested in, and that there's that, that that whether or not there's longevity, that you can locate the person who has the ability and the, de- the desire to pay, you know, twenty or a hundred times what you originally paid for the item in the first place. So those are the theories of investing, I guess. But more importantly, it's the theory of not partaking in a system. That has everything recorded and tracked and traced back to your name and traced back to who you are and what you've done and where you've been. It's kind of a cool thing to at least know about, even if even if you don't necessarily um, go off the grid and close all your bank accounts and and shut down all of your stock uh, option things, your brokerage accounts or whatever they're called in real life. That's fine, but it, it's something good to know about. That that sometimes there may be things that you want to purchase locally because it's less of a footprint, or maybe sometimes there are things that you want to purchase online, but not tie it to your bank account for similar reasons. Of course, if you're if you're logged into your Gmail account by default all the time, and you're doing anything, and you think that you're you're being clever because you're using this card, or whatever, trust me, it's not, it's all being tied back to, to this database entry of, of whatever and whoever you might be. So just be aware of that. But in terms of, of having the ability and flexibility of switching on and off the the traceability of purchases and things like that. It's good to kind of remember that cash exists, gift cards exist, middlemen still exist. You can make certain things happen with smart purchasing habits. I'm not talking about drugs, just in case for... Uh, if, I don't know if I'm being too mysterious. I'm not talking about drugs or weapons or anything like that. I'm just talking about the freedom to live your life without necessarily having all of your life jotted down into a, a ledger. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening, and I hope this has been somewhat informative or at least entertaining. Talk to you next time.